Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Richard, it's time for a shout out for our supporters on Patreon. Yeah, we'll mention our friends by name, and the first three people who are helping us to raise funds are Laurie Dominic, Lucy Westcott, and Matthew Passy. More names to come. Thanks so much for helping us spread the word. And for those who aren't familiar with Patreon, it's a really cool online platform that lets you support different organizations, artists, or others that are doing work that is meaningful to you with a small monthly contribution. And even really small contribution can make a big difference. In our case, it helps us get out there and spread the word, recruit new listeners, and look for new ideas and, and people that will help make the world a better place, which, of course, we can do best from our remote office in Barbados. So if you can help us get down there, we'll be very indebted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's if we can sign up more uh, more supporters than we could possibly imagine. Anyway, find out more on patreon.com how do we fix it. And today, the trust crisis with Debbie Lynn Molino. It is a movement of everyone who wants to put country before party. And that includes Democrats and Republicans and Green Party and Libertarians. Anybody who understands that the country needs to come first and the party identity needs to come second. Would you say this movement is growing? Absolutely growing. On fire. This movement is on fire. Our show is about fixes. Yeah, how to make the world a better place. How, how do, do we, we fix, fix it? it? How do we fix it? Our democracy has become a punching bag from Russian hacking to calls for impeachment to some pretty harsh talk among some Democrats. Yeah, and not just Democrats. It seems like both parties are kind of splitting down the middle and getting into some of their tribal warfare among themselves and to say nothing of the fights from one side to the other. It's a daily diet of dreary, disempowering news. And there's a new poll that shows some of the cost to all this rhetoric. 63% of Americans now say they have little or no confidence in the people they elect. Three in four say trust in federal government is shrinking. And almost the same number say it's really very important to improve the level of confidence in government. Those findings come from this big Pew Research poll, and it's pretty sobering stuff, even challenging our habitual cheerfulness, I guess. One thing that caught me was 
Two-thirds of people say that low trust in government makes it harder to solve problems. And you know, it's not just government, Jim. Two-thirds of people believe our trust in each other is shrinking, suggesting perhaps that we're becoming more fearful and suspicious. Yeah, so what do we do? I mean, it seems like whether you're on the right or the left, or especially maybe in the middle, there's this trust crisis. There's this sense that people are losing the ability to to communicate. And it may even be part of this whole movement away from institutions, away from civil society, and into these little islands of loneliness and unhappy individualism. So our guest today is Debbie Lynn Molyneux, who's executive director and co-founder of an organization called Bridge Alliance, which works to transform the political process by bridging divides. This is going to feel familiar to long time. How do we fix it? listeners partly in a good way because Bridge Alliance is kind of an umbrella organization that works with all these other member organizations we've interviewed on How Do We Fix It. Now, Richard, you sat down with Debbie Lynn Molyneux and asked her about the trust crisis, and I was away, but... Um, I, I, I believe that when this interview was done, you were in New Hampshire. Yeah, r- risk, yes, and I was... Risking you know, your life. Yeah, you People <laughs> often say like, oh, well, I'm out of cell phone contact, but this is, I, was, I go to this place a couple times a year in New Hampshire where you really are out of cell phone contact. There's it's a couple of cabins, there's no electricity. Um, Sounds good. So that's where I was. Well, you were hard at work keeping the podcast alive. So let's give it a listen. How pressing is is the problem that we're faced with now where we have a government that really doesn't work very well, a public that isn't engaged, and hyper-partisanship. And a lot of the dysfunction that we're seeing right now in the gridlock in Congress and the hyper-partisanship that exists is a result of a breakdown in the social contract. It no longer serves the majority of Americans. And by not serving the majority of most Americans, the authority and trust in our institutions breaks down, and then we start fighting over who has power. Give us an example of of a breakdown in the social contract. Uh, So number one would be the impact of lobbyists and how uh, the wealthy have more influence in government. Number two would be uh, how law enforcement and the criminal justice system as a whole disproportionately impacts people of color. And uh, a third one is the, this idea of the stranglehold that the Republican and Democratic parties have on who gets to run for office. So, in other words, even though more people self-identify as independent Correct. than either Republican or Democrat, it's those two parties that completely dominate our political system. Absolutely. And they've written the rules where they get to maintain the, the control of who gets to run compared to it being a more more level playing field for people who decide not to affiliate with either of those two parties. We've undergone four of these cycles in our history, in American history. The first one was the Revolutionary War when we broke away from England. And so Thomas Jefferson penned the Declaration of Independence, and we went to war. And through that war, uh, we developed the U.S. Constitution, which was the outcome or the solution, if you will, for a new social contract with America. We went through it again during the Civil War, mm-hmm. and we decided at the end of the Civil War not only was slavery abolished, but we also decided collectively that states could not secede from the Union. That was the other big agreement, social agreement, that came out of that. During the suffragette movement, 
on the heels of another war. We were, you know, going into World War One at that point. Uh, we gave women the right to vote, and it, and again, it was an amendment to the Constitution. And then the the last one was not an amendment to the Constitution, but during the Civil Rights Movement in 1964 and 65, we enacted the Civil Rights Act and the uh, Voting Rights Act to help engage and make uh, voting more equal under the law. And and so what could be the fifth? So right now, I would like to think it's something that has to do with equity versus equal rights, and so more power sharing. It has to do with honoring human rights and a sanctity of life. And I mean that in the way of like having our laws be much more healthful to society as a whole instead of death-focused or punishment-focused. Explain a little more. Or give an example. Give an example. Uh, so the criminal justice, well, I could do two, criminal justice and health care. Yeah. So the criminal justice right now is a punitive system where we don't focus in this country very much on rehabilitation or any type of redemption. And anybody who's studied any faith knows that if you want true healing to occur, there needs to be a path to redemption. And America seems to have forgotten that, and we've left it at a punitive place. Uh, we deal with mental health and addiction in, in much the same way. It's a punitive character flaw versus an illness that needs to be treated. So when we start thinking about the healthcare system, our country focuses more on how do we make a buck off of treating sickness than we do off of promoting healthy actions and what we should do to stay healthy and preventative measures. And we see that across the board in a lot of our culture. So... Part of this breakdown in the social contract we see when politicians such as Donald Trump, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren say the system is rigged. Yes. That, is that part of that problem? The system has been weighted and unbalanced over time through small corruptions, whether that's the influence that big political donors have to our system, whether it's the impact of lobbyists, whether it's the the judge who sentences African Americans more harshly than he sentences white people. Those are all small corruptions that have added up over time. I don't believe there's a lot of bad intentions in the system, but there's a lot of taking advantage of a small corruption here and a small corruption there that has made it completely dysfunctional. Okay, so we've seen a precipitous drop over recent decades in the level of trust that people have for important institutions. Is this part of the problem you're discussing? It, it totally is part of the problem. And, and it's also necessary because it gives us the opportunity to look at how we decide to trust and what is trustworthy. And as I've seen a, a tremendous shift in journalism where there is now a lot more dedication to fact and less to sensationalism and dramatization than there was two years ago. Really? Yeah, I have. You know, there's people like you out here, like, digging deeper and looking at ways that they can be, um, that they can show integrity and yeah. demonstrate integrity, which is what we, the people, and the, the public trust will follow eventually. It's going to take a while. Before we discuss solutions, Debbie Lynn, let's talk about the movement that you're part of at Bridge Alliance. Describe the role that your group has, because you're affiliated with, I think, more than 100 different organizations that are trying to find solutions for the problems we've been discussing. 
we convened the first meeting of what became the Bridge Alliance around the question, what could we do better together? Because every organization in the room acknowledged that their solution was not sufficient to the level of crisis that we were facing in our country. And, and many of those organizations, relatively small, not highly funded. Correct. And some of them are, are huge. And together we formed this coalition or alliance, if you will, of organizations with a, with a commitment to collaborate where possible, to promote each other, and to generally spread the word out there to the public who is largely unaware that there's anything happening, that there's a movement forming, that there is hope and here's a way that we can solve the problems of our country. Is this just a movement of independence or is it much more than that? It is a movement of everyone who wants to put country before party. And that includes Democrats and, and Republicans and Green Party and Libertarians. Anybody who is who understands that the country needs to come first and the party identity and affiliation needs to come second. One of the folks we've interviewed twice on, on how do we fix it is Philip K. Howard of Common Good, which is one of your member organizations. And, and Common Good and Philip are very much focused on the fact that the system of government that we have is broken. Is part of what you're talking about having a better functioning government? Absolutely having a better functioning government. It's also about restoring the proper role of citizens in relationship to government. Right now, there is such a sense of disempowerment of citizens from the government, whereas when we really look at it, the government works for us. It shouldn't take 1,200 pages of trying to close all the loopholes that lawyers are going to find to make a common sense law, and I think that's kind of what you're getting to. And there's also not a way for laws that have been recorded you know, 70 years ago to be sunsetted in an efficient way. So I don't know that we that to create a functioning government that we need to like start over and rewrite the constitution so much as we need to look at how do we move forward from where we are in a way that is healthy for self-governance to occur. It's part of the reason why we're more divided than we used to be because there are more voices at the table. I mean it used to be white men arguing or making, you know, uh, <laughs> deals in, in smoke-filled rooms. And now the smoke is gone and we have women in the room. We have people of color in the room. We have different genders in the room. So, number one, I think Thomas Jefferson and Alexander Hamilton argued quite enough for both being white men. <laughs> and there's always going to be, whenever power is at stake, there's going to be a lot of argument. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about how it's done, solutions, and some of those structures that are needed in just a moment. It's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies, and my co-host Jim Meggs is not here because he's off somewhere in New Hampshire, probably hiking or risking his life on a bike and going far too fast. But uh, Jim will be back at the end of our conversation to uh, discuss what we've heard from Debbie Lynn Molyneux of Bridge Alliance. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So, how do you make progress on these principles, and, and uh, how are you doing so far? So far, one of the things that we have discovered about Bridge Alliance is that a lot of folks who are working on social issues, whether it's tax cuts from the right or social justice issues from the left, when they use the current dysfunctional process for democracy, they use a winner-take-all mentality. And that winner-take-all mentality actually erodes the very ideals of democracy that we're trying to hold or enact in a better, more healthy way. Well, let's walk through the argument over abortion. I mean, you're, you're either in favor of a woman's right to choose or you're not. So how do you try and reach a middle ground or, or a more respectful conversation on that one? Yeah, so, so I actually just had this conversation with a Pentecostal Trump-supporting friend of mine. And there's no way I'm changing her mind. There's no way she's changing my mind. But we did agree that making birth control readily available to women in all cases for all socioeconomic groups is a first step to preventing unwanted pregnancies. So in other words, the focus becomes fewer abortions. Yeah, fewer unwanted pregnancies will result in fewer abortions, period. So what's your personal story? Why are you passionate about these, these questions? I grew up the only child of divorced parents. One of them is very conservative, traditional conservative. One is very liberal. And I spent most of my childhood living in between these two worlds and never belonging to either. And as a citizen in the United States, I kind of feel that way between the Democrats and the Republicans. I'm orphaned, in a way, from either ideology because I see the good in both and and, and completely frustrated that the tribe on the left and the tribe on the right continues to demonize each other. It's just like if my parents were fighting when I was a kid. If Jim was here, he'd say, it, it, just because I don't agree with you doesn't mean you're a bad person. <laughs> That's right. That's why Jim thinks I'm a good person, ah. even though he disagrees with me. <laughs> I have a little sign in my office at home that says, I'd agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong. <laughs> nice. Nice. You grew up the child of divorced parents who certainly didn't agree with each other on politics. What about your adult life? So in my adult life, I basically wasn't engaged. And when I turned 40 or so, I, I had an awakening that our country was going to hell and there were not enough women involved in politics to make a difference because I recognized early on that we needed some type of feminine perspective represented in the legislatures and in the governor's offices and in the presidency so that we could actually focus on what could be transformational. And I literally had an experience at a retreat and a voice in my head showed me this vision of how healthy our politics could be and said, do you want this? Will you help create it? And I said, yes. And then the voice came back and said, it may cost you everything you have. Do you still choose it? 
And I said yes again. So you're a born again reformer. A born again reformer. I know it sounds so. It does. It sounds so calling like and yeah. religious, but it was just like my whole life shifted in that moment. And over the next seven years, I did lose my job, which resulted in the loss of a marriage and a house. Mm. And then I moved to Portland, Oregon, uh, nine years ago, and mm. started over. But this work has been the through line of why I know I'm here to help us through this transition. And I, I should say, I should say this, that there were tears in your eyes when you're talking about this. So what sort of difference are you, you making and, and is Bridge Alliance making to this national crisis? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so for Bridge Alliance, we're helping provide a laboratory, a place where people can practice collaboration and relational skills building, and then take it out to the general public. Is it like just how to have better conversations, how to listen better, things like that? So, so tell me, how many of your friends sit down and have conversations with somebody who's their political opposite? Not many. And more and more, what I have seen over the last 15 years is that we have become more and more afraid of talking to each other. So when I say relational skills building, instead of it being kind of a wooden saying, it is actual practice that we need to take with each other as citizens without a facilitator in the room because the facilitator is, you know, we only want facilitators so they can tell those other people to sit down and shut up. We actually need to take this power back for ourselves and start working on it neighbor to neighbor friend to friend, family member to family member. And I know that the, among the organizations that are really working hard on that, Living Room Conversations, uh, that you've been involved with, Better Angels is, is another group, uh, and I'm sure there are, there are a bunch of others. National Institute for Civil Discourse is doing this with state legislators mm -hmm. because it, just because people are elected doesn't mean they're any less afraid to talk to the other, whoever they think the other is, uh, helping people cross even some of the racial Stuff And there's actually one of our members is the National Conversation Project. They have 200 member organizations alone of people who host these type of relational skills building work and events. Would you say this movement is growing? Absolutely growing. On fire. This movement is on fire. So there's so many things happening just all across the country, and people should plug in. We went to a community college a year ago in Minneapolis where they were doing a living room conversation on race. And it struck me that a lot of this, maybe most of this, is, is, is bottom up. It ain't top down. That if we're going to rebuild the country, it's going mm -hmm. to be local people getting together with neighbors, with, with former friends, <laughs> and, and, and trying to heal. Yeah. Well, and, and I would say uh, within fractured families, too. The biggest pain I see in the country right now is at the family and friend level, because some families that have fractured over this and they've stopped talking to one another, they don't, they don't invite crazy Uncle Bob to Thanksgiving dinner anymore. And it's politics, just quite frankly, isn't that important to our family lives. So People listening to this may get the impression that, that you're just saying we should be more civil <laughs> towards each other, more understanding, more empathetic. It's, it's much more than that, isn't it? Not only is it much more than that, but the relational skills to me are just the foundation upon which we then take action together. 
And by taking action together, we should get involved, you know, with the elections office or with an organization that's trying to reform elections, or we should call our congressman's office or a senator's office and have a meeting with them about what we personally care about and talk about who are the organizations and things. And then listen also. It's not all about talking. It's also about listening to what other people care about and finding that common ground so that we can decide what we want for our new social contract. Debbie Lynn Molyneux, thanks very much for joining us on How Do We Fix It? Thank you, Richard. Debbie Lynn Molyneux of the Bridge Alliance and Jim has made a magic uh, appearance and we'll be speaking in just a moment. So, yes, as you noted in the course of the interview, I was off risking my life. But fortunately, I made it back in one piece. And I was really happy to to spend some time with this and on the Bridge Alliance site. There's so much that's familiar here, you know, for us. And we're, we're really part of this movement. I think we try to model the kind of dialogue that, that she's talking about. And the one of my big takeaways is – to really understand what they're doing, you have to understand it's more about process than outcome. To talk about problems, to communicate, but most important, to avoid these traps that everyone seems to be falling into of just spiraling out in anger and antipathy towards each other, which is part of what's driving down trust and driving this sense that, you know, if I don't take an all or nothing, win at all cost position, those jerks on the other side are going to do it. And I can't let that happen. So things just get more and more entrenched. I, I may have said this before, but can you imagine Ford, GM, and Chrysler or other car manufacturers saying, hey, look at the other guy's car. The wheels are falling off. It breaks down all the time, rather than talking about, which they do, about why their car is, is worth buying. Politicians are constantly just berating each other rather than suggesting, hey, here's a way that we may do things a little bit better. And I think that's a big reason why so many people have such profound distrust in government and really in in our democracy. You know, my worry is less about the politicians. And yeah, of course, they're pretty horrible. Um, And (laughs) we're certainly not getting good. Nobody's modeling what healthy political dialogue ought to be like from the guy at the top. But I'm actually more worried about the anger and antipathy between individuals and groups. I mean, she talked about how families are being split up by this. There's something heartbreaking about that. So part of what we want to solve here isn't just better politics, but just better life, you know, better society. It's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies, and that's our show this week. (laughs) And I'm Jim Meggs, reporting in from the wilds, not quite of New Hampshire, but somewhere out there. And I'll I'll actually be away next week on a canoe trip. Oh, dear. You do live a rough life. (laughs) I know. It's it's tough. But um, it's summer. you got to take advantage and live it to the fullest. Our show is produced by Miranda Schaefer. We're a production of Davies Content. Check us out if you're interested in getting some help and ideas and advice about podcasting. We're at DaviesContent.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.